Hey, good morning, New City. It is awesome to be with you this morning. So excited to open God's Word with you this morning. Um, If you are new with us for the first time, extra special welcome to you. My name is Ben Harris. I am the pastor here at New City. And as John mentioned a second ago, if you have a Bible with you this morning, you can move to Ephesians chapter 3 as we kick off a new series this morning. So, the words that are on everybody's mind or that we keep hearing more and more and more about, right? Social distancing. Uh, I don't know about you, but six weeks ago, I had never heard the phrase social distancing in my entire life. Now I feel like that's all that I ever hear about, right? And what does it actually mean? Well, essentially, the definition of social distancing is that every human relationship, every interaction, and everything that was ever going on across the earth has been canceled, and we can't do any of it. Okay, sometimes it does feel that way. Maybe it's not quite that bad, but it does mean that many things are canceled and many things are happening at least differently and we've had to adjust to this new season of life. Um, Among other things, it means that you and I get to do this worship and gathering and word and prayer together via a camera instead of being physically together. Um, But I would never forgive myself if I didn't seize the unique opportunity here because I'm never going to get another chance as long as I live, I'm pretty sure, as a pastor and leader of our church to do this, to check up on you and your family this morning. So, How's it going in there? How is your family doing this morning? Just wanted to check in real, real, sp- I see it's a little messy over there in the corner, guys. Mm. PJ's at 1015, huh? That's cool. How's your Fruit Loops? All right, cool. Well, I just want to check in on you guys, see how the family's doing this morning. Because we are kicking off a new series related to uh, family. Um, you know, as you're thinking about your life and what it looks like and what it feels like right now, Um, chances are the highlight of your week is that trip to Walmart, right? You finally get to get out of the house. And the deepest existential question that you're facing is, should I wear a mask this morning? Um, Maybe you're super, super excited because your water bill is finally gone down until you realize that it's really just because y'all haven't had a shower in about three weeks. Um, Maybe the excitement over your new home office has truly faded Um, and you're daily reminded of the fact that you don't know jack about your teenager's algebra that they keep asking you questions about. That is where many of us are at, right? Um, But the reality, though, is is it really can be, and it really is um, a lot worse than that for some of us. Um, Maybe you're really just genuinely frustrated with your spouse or frustrated and angry with your kids or whoever, you know, your roommates, whoever it is that is in your home. Maybe you've reached a place of bitterness uh, or anger or or maybe just the silent treatment has fully set in. Maybe in your household, you're living sort of an internal quarantine where you spend as much time in your own room away from everybody else as you possibly can just because you don't like the people in your house very much anymore. Maybe you're just hiding uh, behind your work work or or hiding behind your school work or hiding behind what is the latest news that I can check up on or or hiding behind endless Netflix and TikTok and Facebook scroll. Um, Guys, the reality is that we have been socially and spiritually and emotionally distanced for a really long time. Um, This is not a new problem. This morning, As I said, we are kicking off a new series for the next several weeks in which we're calling it Home Isn't Canceled, Pursuing Gospel Nearness in a Socially Distant 
world. And the question for all of us, I hope, is that we can ask, how does God want to grow me personally in my heart? How does God want to grow my family, my home through this circumstance? I believe that God's word here this morning for us is something that applies to every single person, every family, every home. So families of all sorts, regardless of what season or station in life you may find yourself, God's word is here for you this morning. As we take a look at some of the issues that can wreck a home, not only this week, but in the weeks to come, and see how the Bible gives us always a better way in the gospel. So it calls us to think about, man, what if, what if instead of screen time, we pursued family time? What if being, instead of being checked out, we decided that we wanted to check in and really redeem the time that we have together? What if instead of feeling just super duper sick of each other, um, we took real joy recognizing that, hey, this is a unique and a special time that we have together in our homes as families. So let's take a look this morning by reading Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to start in verse 14 and read all the way through verse 21 this morning. Read with me. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Guys, four applications from God's word this morning as we jump in. The gospel says, first, you and your family are loved by the Father. Secondly, the gospel empowers us to grow in God's love in our hearts. Third, the gospel empowers us to love our family together. And fourth, the gospel empowers us to worship our Father. Let's take a moment and let's, uh, let's pray as we enter into God's word. Heavenly Father, God, we ask that even as you have revealed yourself as a father, as a loving father, as the leader of this family, the people, the worldwide eternal community of faith, believers, Lord, that you might this morning open our eyes afresh to, to see your word and to believe, to trust in you. And Father, that you might speak a word of life and truth from your word into our families this morning. Lord, encourage us where we are weak. Give us joy in this unique season, Father, we pray. We ask all this over our families this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, number one, the gospel says you and your family are loved by the Father. Take a look again at the beginning of this passage. Verse 14 and 15 says this. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. For this reason, says the scripture, I get down on my knees and I pray. Ephesians 3 here is actually a prayer that is being prayed by the Apostle Paul who wrote the book of Ephesians, and he's specifically praying for the family, for God's family. You know, here's an interesting question. When's the last time that you actually literally got down on your knees and prayed? For most of us, chances are it was probably a moment of real crisis and fear, um, or it was a moment of guilt and shame. 
Maybe just a moment of total desperation. But it's worth asking, what is the reason behind Paul when he decides to pray? What is it that's driving him? See, getting on your knees and praying is an expression of humility. It's an expression of worship. It's also a demonstration, a declaring of need that we need you, God. So if you're stuck at home, and most of us are, may I suggest that the word of God invites you, encourages you to get on your knees and pray. Uh, It's an encouragement to me as as a husband and as a father, parents, grandparents, get on your knees and pray for your family, for your children. Spouses, get on your knees Pray for your husband. Pray for your wife. Pastors, all of us, get on your knees and pray for your church, for your your people. But it's not just those, everybody. If you're a boss, if you're in leadership, if you're a discipler, if you're a ministry leader, pray for your people. Here, the question that we should be asking, though, again, is why? What is Paul's reason? You know, he actually says in the first three chapters of Ephesians three times, for this reason, I pray. We got to go back and figure out what is Paul's reason? What is it that's driving him to pray for the family? Let's flip back to Ephesians chapter one and let's just get a taste of the reason that Paul is giving. Ephesians chapter one, starting in verse three. Blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace." As the love of the father for his family is the reason that he prays. And it's the reason that we ought to pray as well. If you're in the family of God, then you are loved by God the father. If you have trusted in Jesus by faith as your personal Lord and savior, then you have been adopted into his family. And if you haven't done that yet, let me just encourage you. There is always room for more in the family of God. Um, Check out 1 John 4.10. Scripture says this, In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation or the payment for our sins. The gospel says that God the Father loves you through his son, Jesus It tells us here that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. This is the reason that we rejoice. This is the reason that we pray. He chose us, it says. He chose to set his fatherly love upon us. Not through anything that we have done, not that we've earned it, not that there's anything that we could do to impress God, but rather that he chose to love us before we ever chose to respond to him. That's his love. Then he placed our sin and our shame on the cross of his son, Jesus, so that we might be made holy and blameless, so that our sins might be forgiven. It says, in love, the father predestined us for adoption, that he brought us into a new family, that he redeemed us, which means he bought us back from sin and death, paid for our sins so that we might be forgiven by his grace. And so out of that foundation, out of that reality, everything else flows. And it's why it goes on to say, from the Father, 
from the Father. Every family on heaven and on earth derives its name. The idea here is this. Who you are is defined by whose you are. Let me say that again. Who you are is defined by whose you are. You know, our kids, my kids, they have no idea how much we love them. They have a sense, but I don't think they truly understand how much we love them. They have no idea that before they were ever born, we were thinking about them. We were anticipating them. We were praying for them even. Um, You know, if you watch a mother carry her child for those nine months, as you watch that unfold, you begin to just get a taste of what her love is for that child before they even ever got to see that little baby face to face. You know, one of the scariest uh, moments in my life thus far it was a morning when a phone call woke me up about 6.30 in the morning. My wife calls and she was on her way to work and she calls and says, I've been in a car accident. Um, she says, I need you to come. So I grab, you know, I grab a shoe. I'm out the door as fast as I can, driving down the street, going to find her. Just an incredibly terrified moment. But I knew that I needed to get there. I knew how much I loved her. But beyond that, that moment, Alana was eight months pregnant with our first child. And I knew how much I loved that little baby, even though I hadn't seen him or her. They have no idea how much we love them. Now, by God's grace, they were both safe that day. But it just reinforces for me this reminder. We loved him before he knew what love even was. You know, we named him before he even knew what a name was. We chose to love him before he knew who we even really were. There are kids we love them. We lead in love. Our, go, our love goes forward. Who you are, guys, spiritually, your relationship with the Father, the Heavenly Father, who you are is defined by whose you are. So church, remember, New City, that you are loved by the Father through the Son. Not because of anything you've done, but because God chose to set his love upon you. All you had to do was respond You know, it's interesting, this passage here, Ephesians 3, is really specifically most talking about the family, mommies and daddies and kids, the family, every family, every home, every household in Christ. So that may be the family with a mom and a dad and kids, whether your kids are four or 40. Either way, this passage, this prayer, this good news is for you. That may be a family who is a single parent. Um, That may be a family of, uh, that may be singles who are just anticipating and looking forward to that day when God might bless them with a family, with a marriage, with children. That might be a family who a part of their story is is adoption or or fostering and, and the great love that is there. That might be a family who one or many people in that family are wounded because somebody who is supposed to be there isn't there. That might be a family who's wounded because there's a part of that family that though that person is physically present, spiritually, emotionally, they're just absent. You know, whoever God has put into your home, whatever your story, let me just encourage you to stop right now. Look around the room that you're in this morning. Look at the people in that room with you. That is the family that God has blessed you with. And the gospel says that you and your family are loved by the Father. Number two, the gospel empowers us to grow in God's love in our hearts. Talking about inwardly now. Look at verses 16 and 17. 
I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love. What we're being told here, guys, is that the the riches of God's grace are limitless through his spirit and through his son. Look at Romans 15, 13. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. That you may abound in hope. And yet, guys, many of us would say, particularly right now in this season, even this morning, that that's not how I feel. That that is not where I'm at. I feel just the opposite right now. You may say, I'm filled with fear or anxiety about about health, health issues, staying safe, or about the job that I had and no longer have, or just about my business slowly crumbling. You may be struggling with loneliness because you, like all of us, have been cut off from job and friends and entertainment. You may say, man, I just kind of have come to the realization that all I ever did before was go out to eat and shop, and now I can't do either one of those things, so what am I supposed to do with my time? You may just say, man, I'm bored. There's just nothing to do. Um, maybe you're just at the place of saying, I'm tired of being stuck at home. And these people around me are driving me crazy. The memes that I have seen posted, man, they are ruthless. Um, One of my favorites says, after two weeks of quarantine with her husband, Gertrude decided to knit him a scarf. And of course, in the picture, Gertrude is not knitting a scarf. Rather, she is knitting a hangman's noose for her husband. Uh, another one is probably my favorite I've seen so far. Said, the caption is three weeks in and the wife still thinks I'm working on the roof. And the picture there, actually the video, he has a board. He's sitting on a roof and he just taps the hammer on the board on the roof every so often to make his wife think that he is actively working on the roof when in reality, he's just downing a 12-pack. You know, maybe you've realized though in all seriousness that the relationships in your family are busted that there are serious things going on. The dark realities of sin really begin to show up full force in unique times like we are facing right now. And that anger, that bitterness, um, that silent treatment just comes out all the more. We know from studies already and reports that addictions are very much on the rise as people are facing these uncertain times and they feel like they have nowhere else to run than alcohol or drugs or food or whatever your particular pleasure may be. But instead of running to Jesus, we're running to things. You know, for some of us, home never was a safe place. And, and to be stuck at home just means there's even more abuse taking place than there was before. Guys, these are realities Reality is that when the gospel is not at the center of our lives and of our families, this is what begins to happen. But I want to remind you at this point that the gospel does not just say, do better. The gospel doesn't say, fix it. The gospel doesn't say, try harder. Rather, it says, live your life out of the abundant riches of God's fatherly love and grace for you. That he may strengthen you, it says, by his power, by the power of his Holy Spirit in your inner being. Where does the Holy Spirit need to renew your heart and your life in the deep down, in the internal? The scripture says that Christ will come to live inside of your heart and that you can have this personal saving relationship with Jesus through faith. As I genuinely believe that God wants to use this worldwide crisis to personally 
change your heart, to personally change your life. That through whatever things you have lost through this process, through whatever things you've seen or experienced, that God might be able to show you more clearly that the only thing that you ever had, that the only thing that's stable, that the only thing that you need is a personal, saving, eternal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's worth thinking about. I, I, that's my prayer for you guys. I just want you to know I'm going to spend the rest of today just specifically praying that over our church and over our church family, over everybody who's even hearing the word of God this morning. That reminder, that reminder that the gospel calls us to faith, which means believing in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior and recognizing that you're a sinner and that your only hope is in him. It means repentance, which means just turning away from those sins, turning away from the things that you once held dear and thought that they would do it for you and have realized they don't work. Repentance is turning away from sin and turning into the loving face of Jesus and saying, I want you as the king of my life and I take myself off of that throne. So that, so that, says this passage, so that you can be rooted and established in God's Love. I love that word, that, that metaphor of being rooted. Um, in our neighborhood, I am the yard guy. I love working out in the yard. I promise you with all this stay-at-home order stuff, there is not a single weed in my yard. I have taken the time to pull all of them. So I, I love this idea of being rooted in the Father's love, that the Father's love is the soil, the foundation in which believers find their root. You know, there's another metaphor a lot like this that Jesus himself uses in John chapter 15. Look at John 15 with me. He says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Where are your roots this morning? Have you been grafted into the vine that is Jesus Or are you still rooted in poisonous things that don't come and give life, rather they destroy it? You know, John 10.10 says that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life abundantly. Jesus says to us, I am the vine. Jesus says to us, I am the living water. Jesus says to us, I have come to give you life. So be rooted in him. Number three, thinking now about the family, the community of believers and the family, mommies and daddies and kids of all ages. The gospel, number three, empowers us to love our family together. Look at with me uh, the remainder of verse 17 through 19. The scripture says this, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love that. I pray that you would have power together to grasp, to know, to understand the love of God that's beyond understanding. Guys, we are better able to grasp the ungraspable love of God when we do it together. The scripture says here, together as the Lord's holy people, that is the church gathered together, to grasp somehow 
the width, the length, the height, and the depth that is the love of Jesus. You know, like many of you, I've been looking at the, the dis- different statistics and the numbers and how the numbers keep going up of what's going on in the world. But here's one number for you. There are 7.8 billion people on the earth right now. Guys, if every single one of those 7.8 billion at the exact same moment stopped and prayed and asked God for help, he can listen to each one. He understands each one. He knew what we were each going to pray before we even prayed it. And he can answer according to the riches of his goodness and sovereignty and grace. It is beyond our ability to understand how great is the love of God. And here Paul assumes, he assumes that we as believers don't fully get it, that we cannot and that we do not fully appreciate Christ's love. So notice, he doesn't pray, God, I pray that, that believers would love Jesus more. That's not what he's praying. He's saying, I pray that they would begin to understand Christ's love for them better. What if we did that together? What if together as families that we began to more understand and appreciate and just take joy in the love of God the Father for us as a family? What if our time together became more precious because of the love that Jesus has for our family? The verse goes on to say that we would be filled, filled to all the fullness of God. As remember here, we are filled by God's love so that it might overflow so that we can then love others. And that certainly ought to begin with our own family. We've been united with Jesus himself in his death, in his resurrection, and one day in his ultimate exaltation. And the result is that being filled with his love, that we might be able to love others more like Jesus loves. Look at Ephesians chapter 5, 1 and 2, one of the the payoff verses for what we're reading now. It says this, therefore be imitators of God as beloved children, children of the Father, And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. As remember, if you are not being filled up, then you cannot possibly pour out. If you're not rooted in love, then you're not going to be able to show love. And if you're not drinking from the overflowing fountain of living water, then your relationship with others is going to dry up. Your relationship with God, first and foremost, is going to dry up. This is one of so many reasons why we need the church. We need the church family, but we also need our biological family. We need Christian households. We need fellow believers who are friends. We need gospel community. Because here's the deal, guys. Even in a pandemic, the scripture is still true. It does not change. His promises are the same. Even in a pandemic, where two or three are gathered, says Jesus, there I am also. Even in a pandemic, it says, do not forsake the gathering together of the believers. Even if we've got to do it through this camera here this morning, even in a pandemic, we need every member of the body of Jesus Christ. We are reminded in the book of Corinthians. Guys, we also need the family. We need our family. However, God in his grace has built your particular family, your home to fill up together in joy in the love of Christ. If you're a believer, guys, think about it. If you're a believer and your kids are now home for the first time, they're no longer out at school and they're home, your school just became a Christian school. Do not 
waste the opportunity. Maybe your kids have been home all along, homeschooling. Guys, do not waste the opportunity to share in the gospel, to make everything about their education, everything about your relationships, everything about discipleship, about drawing near to Jesus. There's no expiration date here, guys. It doesn't matter if you're over 15 or over 18 or over 50. The opportunity is there to share the gospel in your family. Let me just ask the question again. Are you excited about being home with your family? Probably a variety of different reactions happened just now. Are you excited to be at home with your family? Let me just remind you from God's word. Home isn't canceled. Family isn't canceled because the love and the grace of God the Father is never canceled. Stop talking, guys, about how hard it is to be surrounded by the people that you love and by the people that God has blessed you with. Rejoice in that gift and that opportunity. You know, if you think about it, if you include sort of time served, school got out here in our county around March 13th. As they're not going back until mid-August. We have five months. If you have kids at home and you may go, five months. But guys, instead of viewing this as a problem, view it as such an opportunity, such a unique one-time gift that we can either waste away with screen time and neglect or that we can view it as an opportunity to show up and be present and live out Christ's love to the people that we love the most, to the people that God as a loving father has gifted us, that you can love your spouse that way, that you can live, love your children that way, children that you can love your parents that way, that you can love your brothers and sisters that way, that you can love your church, you can love your city group, you can love your friends, your neighbors. And yes, we can still, even in a time of social distancing, continue to love our city by pouring out the love of Jesus Christ. Just thinking about some practical ways to be able to do that in our homes, in our family. I would just encourage you, first of all, just to ask the question, what am I actually doing with my time? What am I actually doing? I want to encourage you to take breaks from whatever it is that you're doing. And I'm sure that there are important things that are happening, but take breaks during the day and look for those moments where you can enjoy quality time together as a family. Let me encourage you, especially this week, to listen to ask questions, to check up, to literally say, how are you doing? Make those calls to people outside of your immediate family as well. Check up, how are you doing? Find somewhere to go together that isn't closed that you guys can enjoy time together. Let me remind you this too. Everyone, everyone can help out around the house. Let's take care of one another. Let's serve one another. More from the scripture in future weeks to talk about that. Um, Give everyone in your house a chance to do what they want to do and not just what you want to do. Fathers in particular, not just what you want to do, but what do they want to do? Let me encourage all of us to say the words, I love you. We think it, we assume that they know it, but why not just make it a special effort over the next several months to communicate out loud with our words, I love you. Take time, guys, as well for personal worship. Make sure that you're being filled up in God's word, the fountain of overflowing living water every day on your own. But take time, too, to do this thing we call family worship, to get together. You may say, I don't know if I'm qualified. I don't know enough about the Bible. Let me just encourage you with this. If you can read, then you can lead. 
If you can read the Bible, then you can lead your family in some amount of getting together and just worshiping God. Again, more in the weeks ahead about that topic. Number four, finally, very briefly, let me just encourage you with this final thought. The gospel empowers us to worship our Father, our Heavenly Father. The scripture ends with an amazing statement of worship. Look at verses 20 and 21 with me. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. This is what we call a doxology. It comes from the Greek words that literally mean both word and glory. This is a word of glory. It is worship on display. You know, we've had so much discussion about what is essential business, right? What is essential? What absolutely must be done? Let me encourage you guys, worship must be done. Worship is essential. And we can do that together as believers, as a family, as a church. Even if we've got to do it through a camera sometimes, worship is essential. As we declare to him who is able to do more than all that we ask or imagine. We give him the glory, not that we can add anything to him. We simply stop. We recognize that God is awesome. God is powerful. God is loving. We ascribe to him what he already is. We recognize that he gave himself up freely to save us, to give us new life, to give us adoption into a new family. And so the scripture says, to him be glory in the church and in Christ. That is through Christ, the great mediator, the great connection to the father, the church of all time, the community of believers from Old Testament and New Testament, Jew and Gentile, rich and poor from every tribe, tongue and nation gathered together now expressed in the worship of local churches spread all over the world until one day when Christ returns, we will lift one voice in worship to the one true God, the loving Father throughout all generations, it says forever and ever. Amen. Let's take a moment and let's pray.